Thank you so much. So good to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for taking the opportunity and the time to teach us and mentor us. It means so much to me and I know to all of the others. And if there's any other women that feel called to preach, come join me. I don't want to be alone. (laughs) Such a great honor, I always say, to stand behind this desk and never take it lightly. God's given me honor and opportunity, and I just thank him for that, and I thank our pastor for uh, allowing me to bring the word tonight. Excited for the word of God? How many is excited for the word of God? Amen. How many know this word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword? The Bible tells us piercing and dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow is a discerner of our thoughts and the intent of our heart, the Scripture says. So I'm so honored to be able to share the Word with you tonight. I want to take my text from Luke chapter 5. You can turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be reading the first 11 verses, beginning with verse 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. I'll give you just a minute to get there. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake Genezareth and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray, Lord, that your word, Lord, would penetrate our heart, that you would help us not only to have open ears, but open hearts to the Scripture, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the revelation of your word to us today. We thank you for it and give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Some encounters have the power to change history. Charlie Taylor may not be a man who you know uh, just by his name, may not be too familiar to you, but he was described as a quiet man. Uh, He was born, I believe, in 1868, and he was known to be mechanically inclined. He dropped out of school at age 12, but he uh, went on 
to work in the binding department at Nebraska State Journal. After working there a few years, he met a couple of brothers that you may be a little more familiar with. The brothers' names were Orville and Wilbur Wright. They hired him to be a part of their company, giving him $18 a week salary. In six weeks, with only a drill press, he developed the first aircraft engine. December 17, 1903, this plane was to fly at 120 feet in the air, and it was unique in that it was to steer, and that way they weren't going to die. There was a lot of people that were working with aircrafts and things, but this was unique because they could steer on December 17, 1903. So this man that we're not familiar with by his name had an encounter with these two brothers that changed the course of history from this one encounter. You might remember Alexander Graham Bell in 1874 met Thomas Watson and developed the telephone. In 1898, Henry Ford met Thomas Edison and developed the Ford Motor Company. These are encounters that forever changed history. Tonight I want to share with you about an encounter that an ordinary fisherman had with the master that forever changed history. I want to talk to you tonight about encountering Jesus and taking him at his word. Peter and the others with him had finished. They had fished all day long as we read in our text. They had been out fishing through the night. They were exhausted and they were discouraged. They were done. They had found nothing. They, have, they had fished and worked all through the night but not caught anything. And here in our text, we read that as they had gone to clean their nets, that Jesus had come. They were preparing to go home and they have an encounter with the Master. The Master was being pressed about by many people wanting to hear him. Hundreds of people pressing upon him. I just want you to get that picture in your mind that Jesus is being followed by hundreds of people and he comes to the Sea of, of Galilee is really what it is, the Lake of Galilee that he is coming to. And he sees these two boats sitting there empty. The fishermen that have fished all night and now gone to wash their nets. And we see Jesus get into the one that is Simon Peter's and he sits down and begins to teach. Now in Bible times, a lot of us, we stand up when we teach, but in Bible times they would sit down and begin to teach. And Jesus taught the people in Simon's boat. And after he taught, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now can you imagine what Peter must have been thinking? Now in Galilee, the best fishing was at night. At night, the fish would go from the deepest or the center part of the lake towards the shore to feed because the nets that they had in those days, they couldn't use out in the deep sea, so they would wait for the fish to come to the shore and they would fish the shoreline through the night. So at the Lord's command, Peter must have thought, nobody does that. Nobody launches out into the deep in the middle of the day. It's unreasonable. It's unlogical. It doesn't make any sense. Can you just imagine what he must have thought? I'm, I'm tired. We've worked all night and we've caught nothing. And you want me to launch out into the deep, which nobody does. But yet, 
at the master's word he obeyed. But he, he must have thought, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. The excuse Peter could have made is, I've worked all night and I'm tired. I just want to go home. Or he could have said, I've been doing this a long time and I know better. I'm a, I'm a fisherman. That's my trade. You're a carpenter. Our nets have already been cleaned. Here the master had come and they were cleaning their nets. They got them all done. Now if we put them back out in the water, they're going to be dirty again. And, and we don't want to go through all that. We're just exhausted. We just want to go home. We're done. Just all of these thoughts. I can only imagine that Peter must have been thinking as Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But you know, this was not a moment of clarity. This was a step of faith. Have you ever been there when your clarity, your understanding is just lacking? It does not make sense to your mind. But you take a step of faith at His Word. Because Peter said, you know, we fished all night and we caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your Word, I will do it. At your Word, I will step out and put that net back in the water, even though it does not make sense to my mind. It's not a moment of clarity, but it's a step of faith. When trust in God's Word exceeds our finite understanding, we will be forever changed. Our trust has to trump our understanding sometimes. Sometimes we can't figure it all out. But he said, don't lean to your own understanding, but to trust me. And when our trust in God's Word exceeds our finite understanding, we will be changed. If we would only obey Him at His Word, then we will see things that we've never seen before when we trust Him. But if we only trust Him when we understand, where's our faith? If we can see it, where's our faith? Faith is the substance of things not seen. And yet, when we believe Him and trust Him at His Word, even though we cannot see it and we step out in faith, God will bless that. Trust in God's Word. We see Peter that he observed his situation first. He looked around and he observed that it didn't make sense to do this again. But then he chose to obey. He made a decision to obey. He had to find faith to leave the shore. He had to look beyond what must have uh, thought as common sense. Didn't, it just didn't add up. But he had to get beyond that and launch out into the deep. Get beyond the safe waters. He had to forsake the safe harbor and go where there was no safety except the Word of God. Have you ever been there where there's no safety except the Word of God? The opinions of people, they're telling you something else contrary to what God is speaking. But when you step out upon the safety of the Word of God alone, you can know that you're going to make it because the Word of God is sure. The Word of God is firm. The Word of God will always bring you past to where you need to be. His Word is our foundation. It's a step of faith. Not always a moment of clarity. He has to get out of our safety, of our comfort, comfortable environment and trust God for something that only God can do. You see, Peter couldn't have done that even as a fisherman. It was his trade, but he, he could not get the catch that he was able to bring in that the Master gave him. Only God could do that. We've got to trust God for the things that we cannot do when we step out in faith. What is God leading you to do 
that you're reluctant to do because it just doesn't add up to your understanding. It's not clear in your mind. It just doesn't make sense. But the Lord is prompting you through the Scripture and your spirit to do something. Is there a step of faith that you are resisting? Because if there's a step of faith that you're resisting, there may be a miracle that you're forfeiting. If we don't take that step of faith that God is asking us to, if we don't step out on His Word and believe Him and trust Him for things that we can't understand always, there may be a miracle that you are forfeiting. Will you continue to reason out what the Lord is prompting you to do, or will you fully relinquish and surrender to His Word? His Word is all that we need, for it's at His Word that the worlds were formed. You know, darkness was upon the face of the deep, but He said, let there be light, and there was light. At His Word, the worlds were formed. At His Word, the sick are made healed. At His Word, the darkness becomes light. At His Word, Depression has to leave at His Word. Little is made much and fear is silenced at His Word. At His Word, demons flee. At His Word, the dead come to life and lives are transformed at His Word. So Peter was reluctant to obedience. He observed a situation and it did not make sense, but it was a moment, a step of faith, not clarity at the time. It was, it was stepping out of faith. It wasn't a moment of clarity, but a step of faith. Number two, it was results of the obedience of Peter. Verses 5 through 7, when you trust God at his word, he will cause your nets to break and your boats to overflow. Do you know that our God is a God of more than enough? He exceeds our expectations. We think that only He can only do such little things, but when we put our faith and trust in the Almighty Word of God, He will exceed our expectations. We have example over example of this in the Word of God. You remember the 5,000 that Jesus was teaching to and the disciples said, Lord, they're hungry. Send them home. We don't have enough food to feed them. And He said, you give them something to eat. And you remember the story of the boy who brought the five loaves and the two fish and the fishermen. It did not make sense to them to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with just two fish and five loaves of bread. But Jesus exceeded their expectations. He exceeded their expectations. Not only did he feed them to the full, but the Bible says that there were 12 baskets left over after they fed the the crowd of 5,000 plus. God exceeds our expectations. And he's not only involved in the, you know, the miraculous and the things that we think are great. He's involved in the very ordinary things of our lives. The things that we think, oh, the Lord's not concerned about that. You know what, if it concerns you, It concerns Him. What does He say? Cast all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. All of your care. So if something is troubling you, I know I have personally, there have been things on my mind that I have 
brought to the Lord numerous times through the day because it will come back to my mind and I'll say, Lord, I can't, I can't carry this. Here it is again. And I'll bring it back again. And you know, we can't wear the Lord out. We can't give Him too much to put on His shoulders. But we just keep casting it at Him. He said, cast all of your care upon me for I care for you. Even the ordinary things of your life. You know, fishing was an ordinary thing for Peter. It was something that was his trade, but it was something that he did daily. And yet, God took an ordinary situation and brought the miraculous out of that. Uh, thank you for your prayers. This last couple weeks, I went home to California. We had a, a sudden death of my cousin. It was very unexpected. And uh, I flew home. I hate flying. I'll just be real honest. I hate flying. <laughs> but God is so good. He got me there safely and got me uh, with my family. But on the way home, I knew there was some storms brewing coming home in Dallas. And, and so I just asked the Lord, Lord, please don't let there be extreme turbulence on that small plane that I have to get on last. And, and uh, just, a, just a care in my own heart, just something that wasn't necessarily a big thing, but it was an ordinary request. And you know, I got on that last plane and that, that uh, stewardess said, out of the last three flights, this has been the smoothest flight because I've had to sit down on the other flights because it's been so bumpy. Now, did the Lord have to answer? He didn't have to, but he was interested in what concerned me because I brought it before him. He said if I would bring it before him that he would answer me and, and answered in that little prayer. And that just meant so much to me to know that he, he loved me enough to be concerned about the things that concern me. So even in the ordinary, everyday things, God is concerned. But Peter, the results of his obedience... He, he went ahead and reached out in faith and put that net down and God exceeded his expectations with the overflowing boats and full nets of fish. The effectiveness of the Word of God in your life is up to you. I want you to think about this. The effectiveness of the Word of God in your life is up to you. Not the truthfulness. Not the truthfulness of God's Word. The truthfulness of God's Word will never change no matter what you believe. But the effectiveness of, that it has in your life is up to you. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 2.13, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Thessalonican church. He says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, now listen to this, which also effectively works in you who believe. The Word works in you who believe. Do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe at your Word, Lord, that the, the darkness will flee? At your Word, Lord, I stand upon your Word. The Word works effectively in those who believe. So it's up to you and I, if we allow the living word, it will not change that it is living. It will not change that it is true, but we can affect the word of God in our own lives by whether or not we believe him and step out in faith. Amen. If we're never, now I heard this the other day, and this has just been in my spirit ever since I heard it. There was a, a minister by the name of Ryan Paulson, and he made this statement he said, if, you, if we're never willing to do the ridiculous, we will never see the miraculous. 
Now think about that. If we're never willing to what we think is the ridiculous, if we're never willing to do that, we'll never see the miraculous. You think about in the Bible, Naaman with leprosy having to go seven times in the dirty Jordan to be healed of leprosy. Now to us in our minds, that's ridiculous. Why couldn't he just, why couldn't the prophet Elisha just say, Naaman, you're healed? Why did he have to go and dip in the Jordan seven times? It just seemed ridiculous. But you know, if Naaman hadn't have stepped out on the word and did as the man of God had told him to do, he would not have been healed. We've got to do sometimes the things that we think is ridiculous to see the miraculous. Then you think about the children of Israel. That they had to march around the the city gates every day of Jericho for seven days. And on the seventh day to march seven times around. And when they heard the long trumpet blast that they were to yell and the, the walls of Jericho fell down flat. Now to us that seems ridiculous. Lord, why would we... Why would we go and fight a city by marching around, marching around, marching around? But if we're not willing to do what seems ridiculous to us, we may be forfeiting seeing the miraculous. Think about the widow woman that Elijah the prophet asked her to make food for him first before she made it for her son and her to die. Now, in her mind, this probably didn't make any sense. I'm gonna, all I have left is this little flour and this, this oil. But he said, make it for me first, and the oil will never run dry in this drought. It seemed ridiculous. But she said, at your word, Lord, through your prophet, I will do it. And God blessed it and brought about the miraculous. You think about Gideon going before the Midianites with a great army that the Bible says were uh, the numbers were as locusts. You couldn't count them. They're camels with, without number, like the sands of the seashore. was a great army, and, and Gideon had 32,000 men, but the Lord said, that's too many. So he narrowed it down to 22,000, still too many. If you remember the story, it went down to 300, that the Lord took 300 men and defeated the Midianites. What seemed ridiculous to them, God turned into the miraculous. And I could go on and on. I've got many here. You know, David, how he fought Goliath, the giant, in 1 Samuel 17 with small stones and killed that giant. It was because at the word of the Lord is how he, he said, you come to me with spear and sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. It's at his word that makes the difference. may seem ridiculous to us, but if we're not willing to do the ridiculous, we will never see the miraculous. Consider the other voices that Peter must have heard. When Jesus said, let down your nets into the deep, he must have heard voices saying, it's just crazy. Why would you go back out in the water again and, and do it all over again? You've already fished all night and, and it just, you know, your net's not even made to go out in the deep. It just does not make any sense. Can you, you can just imagine the whispers of disapproval and discouragement and disbelief that he must have heard talking with him there. But Peter didn't go home. Peter didn't give up. Peter didn't say, well, I just, yeah, I agree with you. He didn't listen to the opinions of people. 
but he listened to the voice of Jesus. And he said, at your word, Lord, at your word, I will do it. Now, Peter saw the miracle, was here in his own boat. And if you go back a chapter 2, he, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. So he had seen Jesus moving in the miraculous. But Jesus now in his boat with his nets, concerned about something that maybe he thought was just an ordinary, everyday thing. I just go and do my job and I'm fishing every day. And yet the master is concerned about my fishing. Peter realized as these fish, can you just imagine this? The fish are, you know, they're pulling in the nets and now the boats are beginning to sink because they're so full. And, and Peter, like Isaiah, in chapter 6, where Isaiah realizes that he's in the presence of the Almighty God, and now that Peter realizes that he's in the presence of the Holy, and he realizes the magnitude of his own unworthiness, and can you just see him falling on his knees at Jesus' knees in a a boat of fish? But he realizes, I'm in the presence of the Almighty God. Just like Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Peter said, Lord, get me, depart from me, for I am unworthy. They realized the magnitude of their unworthiness in the presence of the Holy. For you and I, we've got to realize that we are in the presence of the Holy One when we come into His house. And not only when we come into His house, but everywhere we go. For the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We are the temple of the Spirit of God. And we've got to realize that the Holy One lives within us. Let us live a holy life that honors the name of Jesus. When we see clearly, when we see the Lord clearly, we will see ourselves accurately. Are we seeing the Lord clearly? Because if we really see the holiness of who God is, then we will see that we should live our lives to honor Him. We'll see ourselves accurately that we are unworthy without His touch, without His presence, without His Spirit. Number three, redirection from obedience. Peter's simple obedience not only changed the direction of his day, Boy, did it change the direction of his day. Can you imagine? He had just been fishing all night, thought he was going to go home, and Jesus changed everything. Jesus came and changed everything. One encounter with him changed Peter's day, but not only did it change his day, but it forever changed his life. And not only his life, this was the call of the first disciples of Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Not only did it change their lives, but the hundreds of people that were behind Jesus coming and listening to him teach because Peter stepped out in faith and, and listened at the word of the Lord and said, Nevertheless, Lord, at your word, and he put out that net, it redirected not only Peter's life, but the lives of all those that witnessed this miraculous moment. Peter's position was redirected. His occupation was changed. Jesus was calling him to a new vocation. Someone said the greatest call of God is to do God's will for your life. Because you say, well, maybe I'm not a missionary or a pastor or a preacher or a teacher. But you know, every vocation that gives, that God calls, who is sanctified by Him. The greatest call of God is to do God's will 
for your life. So I ask you tonight, what is God calling you to do? He was calling Peter. He said, he said to come and be fishers of men. And you know every child of God is called to full-time Christian service. Now that doesn't mean that you work at the church every day or you're a pastor or an evangelist, but everywhere you go, you need to be light in darkness. You've got to share the truth and the good news and be fishers of men everywhere that you go. So I ask you, what is he calling you tonight to? What is he prompting you to do that may seem like it's ridiculous, but if, if we forfeit taking that step of faith, we might, we might forfeit a, a miracle. We may be missing the miraculous when we don't obey him and what he's calling us to do. What is the Lord prompting you to do? Are you willing to lay down your, your vocation, your dreams, your plans, everything, surrender it all to him and say, Lord, whatever you ask me to do at your word, the situation around me may not make sense to go that way, but at your word, I will do it. Peter's priorities were properly positioned. For the Bible says they forsook all and followed him. Jesus was calling them to leave their nets, to leave their boats, to leave that big catch of fish that they just caught and follow him. What is it that the Lord is asking you to leave and follow him? Is there something maybe in your life that that is hindering the call of God on your life. Maybe there's something that's hindering from you totally surrendering to His Lordship and recognizing and realizing the call that He has called you to. Is His Word to you enough? Is His call enough? Jesus was calling Peter, James, John, and Andrew just ordinary fishermen to follow Him And they would do extraordinary things. We know that Peter went from being fearful and denying the Lord to standing up and being the spokesperson at the day of Pentecost and saying, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel and he preached and many came to Jesus. And Peter preached and was bold from then on when he was filled with the Spirit. God led him in many Great, extraordinary things because he was obedient to answer the call to leave all and follow him. And that's our job today is to leave everything else, the things that we cannot make sense of maybe. If, it, if God is speaking to us to do something, we need to be obedient, not reluctant, not resistant, but we need to obey at your word, Lord. Jesus said, do not be afraid From now on, you will catch men. Catch is coming from the Greek word meaning to catch alive. You know, they caught fish, obviously, to kill them and eat. But Jesus was using that metaphor to say, you're now going to catch men alive. You're going to share the gospel with them. He was calling them to a new vocation of winning people for the cause of Christ. To bring good news to the people. In what way can we be catchers of men? How can we be light where we're at? Maybe you're a homemaker and you can be light to your children. Maybe you are a a lawyer or a doctor or a pastor. Whatever God is calling you to do, are you obedient in that call? Are you reluctant in your obedience? Will you 
not be reluctant and answer that call and see the results of your obedience and be redirected in what God has for you? Are you reluctant to obey His Word? May I challenge you tonight to take Him at His Word. Because can I tell you, if you take Him at His Word, you will never be disappointed. For this Word is living. Like Pastor said tonight, it's either truth or it's not truth. And I believe the Word of God is truth from Genesis to Revelation. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what He did for Peter, He can do for you. What He did for Elijah, He can do for you. He is the same today. He just wants us to be an obedient servant. Wants us to answer Him in obedience. Not be reluctant, but to be uh, quick to obey. So I challenge you tonight to take Him at His word. Allow Him to direct you as you trust Him. Trust Him. Can't always lean on our understanding, but we can always trust Him. That moment of clarity may not be so clear, but we can take a step of faith as long as we're standing on the solid Word of God. And are you willing to do the ridiculous so you might see the miraculous? I'm going to challenge you tonight. At His Word, follow Him.